Welcome to The Point Podcast from Pendle. Today, I'm talking to Stuart Elliott, Senior Portfolio Manager at Pendle Group. So, Stuart, tell me, what are carbon credits and then carbon futures? Sure. I'll start by talking about what are carbon credits. So, there's two types of carbon credits. There's regulated ones and voluntary ones. So, with the voluntary credits, if you think about it in terms of you're a farmer, you decide to plant some trees and then you can actually go and claim some credit for the carbon that you're going to sequester. Then on the other side of that, let's say you're someone who wants to offset the emissions of taking a flight somewhere, and wouldn't we all love to do that, then you can actually go and purchase the carbon credits to offset the carbon of your flight. Uh And this is kind of a bilateral transaction. The voluntary credits have a mixture of value and credibility and quality, and they're quite inefficient to transact. There's some moves in place to try to put these on the blockchain to make them more efficient, but it's still early days. Right. With the regulated credits, which is the main carbon market in the world at the moment, that you have an example, something like the EU's cap and trade system. That covers about a half of all of the EU's total greenhouse emissions, which is currently around 10,000 installations and airlines and and things like that. The important thing from the futures perspective is that these emissions are standardised and so that leads to a large and incredibly liquid futures market. The way their cap and trade system works is by regulating an increasing number of industries into scope Mm -hmm. while simultaneously reducing the number of allowances that are available each year. So you have more and more companies that are emitting in the system and they're all competing for fewer and fewer allowances. Okay. So they're becoming more prominent purely on the back of necessity now. People understand that they need to achieve carbon neutrality or most people understand that. And so this is actually a way for them to do that. Hence, this market has been created. Yes, exactly. And it's it's governments also sort of driving or creating incentives for the right sort of behavior by companies. Yep. So when we talk about carbon credits, it's really a shorthand. So these things actually cover carbon dioxide, nitrous oxide, and nasty gases from things like producing aluminium. Yep. And the way that the carbon credits are allocated each year is that the regulator will allocate about 40% of them to, say, hard-to-abate industries, and then the other 60% are auctioned off. So there's kind of this competitive environment where companies are trying to estimate what their emissions will be this year and try to buy the permits to offset the cost of that. And say, and at the end of the year, each mandatory participant must report what their emissions were in that year and then surrender the number of permits for their emissions on that year. So if they don't have enough permits, they'll actually have to go in, out to the market and buy the remaining permits at whatever the price is in order to cover their emissions. But also if they've been good corporate citizens and have have, uh, lower emissions, then they can actually monetize that difference by selling their remaining permits. Okay. Is this an investable market? I understand what you're saying from a company's viewpoint, but is it something that investors can get exposure to? Yep, absolutely. And the easiest way to access it is through the futures market. In the futures market, the way the contract is designed is that one contract covers 1,000 tonnes of carbon allowances. Why would you do that? Well, it's a way of increasing the portfolio returns while at the same time having positive externalities, which is a good thing in two ways. So just explain that. 
So let's say that I have an investment thesis, which is the price of carbon emissions will go up. Then I can buy the futures in my portfolio. And if I'm right and the price goes up, then my investors will profit from that. But at the same time, because I'm buying some of a limited quantity of carbon credits, then at the margin, that drives up the price of emissions, which is where you get the positive externalities side of things. So what other reason might an investor have for being interested in carbon credits? So an investor might have a buy and hold exposure in their portfolio to hedge the impact of rising carbon prices on emission-exposed portfolio holdings. So let's say you using that previous example, if you have an aluminium smelter in your portfolio, then you might hold the carbon credits to hedge the risk of that. Okay, yeah. So how and why does Pendle use them in your diversified fund? Precisely for those reasons. So yep. we are trying to increase returns for investors and also we're trying to do that in a way that's efficient in terms of not adding too much risk to the portfolio while you're generating returns and you achieve that by diversifying over a whole range of different types of assets. And because of the nature of the carbon market, which is part of it is the supply and demand related to economic activity, but you've also got this government intervention, which is deliberately trying to force up the price, then that is less correlated to other assets in the portfolio. And then that leads to a sort of a more efficient outcome. So essentially you're getting higher returns and a smoother journey, which is what we're all about. Stuart, thank you for talking to The Point. You're very welcome. Lovely to talk to you. That was Stuart Elliott, Senior Portfolio Manager at Pendle Group. I'm Sean Aylmer.